0: Either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished.
1: Hey everyone, the date is June 28, 2011. You are listening to Free Admission once again at FreeAdmissionFR.com as well as iTunes. Uh, we are back tonight to look at Ring of Honor's Best in the World 2011 iPay per view event, which emanated from New York City in the Hammerstein Ballroom uh, of the Manhattan Center. Before we get into the show, uh, may I introduce the panel? First, myself, uh, Ben Turpin. Uh, and then fresh off a line crossing, JP Nichols. JP, what's going on?
0: Hello, Ben. Uh, hello, everyone listening. Uh, yep, fresh off a line crossing. Uh, new to say not exactly as good of a show as the one that we saw yesterday from Ring of Honor, but you know, can't all be winners.
1: Also joining us on the line, the free admission correspondent on duty in New York City this past Sunday, Mark. What's up?
2: Not too much, Ben. Uh, it's good to be on with you and JP again. Uh, I'm glad that we got to do a preview, and now we get to review the show. It it was a great show, and very excited to talk about it. Again, ROH Best of the World 2011. They announced it as the biggest
1: ROH crowd and the biggest live-viewing audience in the history of the company. Um, I thought it was a good show, a great show even, um, in some aspects. Uh, For some, uh, it appeared a lot of people had some sort of expectations for this undercard, which I talked about off-air, and uh, were ultimately underwhelmed because of that. I think I speak for you guys when I say I had zero expectations for the undercard, so we were mostly pleasantly surprised uh, by what was offered. So a fine undercard with a a tremendous angle. I thought the final three matches were quite good uh, with the final uh, post-match segment really taking that match and the show uh, overall over the top for me. Uh, But before we break it down match by match, what do you guys think of the show overall? Mark, you can start. um, Tell us about the dark match as well.
2: Yeah, uh, I would like to talk about that first. Uh, really, the dark match is what uh, set the pace for the show for the crowd. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people didn't expect to see it, uh, and a lot of people didn't understand, even though it was announced that it was a dark match, that uh, it wasn't going to be broadcast on IP per view. So nobody had any expectations, and uh, New York City really took to Cole and O'Leilly over the past few months. and. When they came out, they got a nice ovation, and uh, the Bucks got, you know, a huge, huge pop when they came out. Welcome back. Uh, The first of many Bucks TNA chants. They ran through the gamut of their spots, and the crowd ate it up. A lot of people hadn't seen it before, I assume. It seemed like a very new crowd to ROH, which kind of was a good thing also. But uh, that match was great, and of course she had a a terrible finish, but what can you expect where... uh, the bravado's run in but uh it was cool to hear a few fans that got really on the bravado's case and uh uh also the the more bang for your buck on uh i don't know if it was harlem or lance but it, it was it was really just like a perfect punctuation and the guys put each other over and uh really set off a great night for the show
1: and jp overall uh what were your
0: feelings on the show and then we'll break it down match by match um i thought it was an overall really good show um Probably, honestly, when you look at everything, probably one of the better i pay reviews that they've done uh, top to bottom, just based off the fact that it sort of followed the same trend that the Friday Atlanta Show had in terms of the fact that uh, the undercard had nothing offensive really whatsoever. You know it was all pretty solid stuff. You know it ended on a good angle for intermission. Uh, And then the final three matches were all just boom, 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 and over-delivered over that Friday Atlanta show, I would say, significantly. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, the show definitely exceeded my expectations, as I talked about on the last audio. I mean, uh, really definitely got my $15 worth. I should
1: also mention they did a live countdown of sorts with Kevin Kelly and Eric Santamarina, And uh, as soured as I am on Prazek, I could only pray Santa Marina would not be uh, doing commentary. And wasn't, thankfully. DP ended up showing up. Uh, we also got an entirely forgettable Eddie Edwards promo that uh, they did, which also aired uh, as a 30-minute preview on uh, GoFightLive.tv. But Tommaso Ciampa, Colt Cabana, this match happened. I probably would have favored the Hardcore match or even Bennett Lethal as the opener, given how Bennett Lethal ultimately turned out. Uh, Mark, I know you liked uh, this as opener. Uh this, uh, I, I think the most notable thing about this match, uh, and I, and I know JP will certainly agree was the absence at ringside of the banister, R.D. Evans. And let's be honest, he alone would not only make this match much more worthwhile to watch, but additionally add at least a complete full start to the rating, I think. Uh, but what'd you guys think of this?
0: Uh, I JP, thought that it was a fine match personally. I mean, pretty much no more, no less. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't really know how I felt about it. You know, it was a choice of opener. I mean, the street fight probably uh, would have been a better way to uh, kick off the crowd, especially with like, uh, you know, you have a uh, few factors going into that. You know, in terms of it being homicide's hometown, rhinos return to the Hammerstein, etc. But I didn't really have any complaints about the match. I mean, it was just, it was just there. I mean, Colt's comedy was fun like usual, but. Yeah, I mean the uh, the severe lack of R D Evans as already mentioned was very uh, polarizing to me more than anything. It's just like, especially after watching his promo on the Video Wire, which was, in my opinion, probably one of the better promos I've seen all year for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, not a lot it. of good promos recently. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that Video Wire in particular. I mean, you had that one and the uh, the Bravados pre tape, which was like truly outstanding. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, I liked it as the opener more so because of uh, the fact that we had um, uh, Mike Bennett and Jay Lethal after, which was kind of like a, a, you know, it got the crowd, and I don't want to say it took them down a notch for that match so that you could see Jay Lethal, you know, really showcase that he's completely polished. But I think that if you had the the street fight before that, it would have maybe deflated the crowd having two hot matches, even though the dark only went uh, eight minutes. Sure. But I think this is a fine opener. Um, I think that Champa's really just, you know, he's he's solid. That's about all you can say about him. And Caban will go out there and he'll he'll do his tricks and everything. And uh, he got a nice pop out when he came out of the out for the crowd, and uh, I, I liked it. I think it could have been pushed back, sure, but I think it was uh, more strategic to do it and then have Lethal and Bennett follow.
1: Sure, and I mean Champa. say what you will about him. He hasn't particularly had the best opponents thus far in his ROH tenure, barring like Adam Cole, which was in Plymouth, Massachusetts. So it's been Colt and homicide pretty much for this guy, as well as Grizzly Redwood. I can't forget. Uh, Mike Bennett and Jay Lethal was next. This was probably the best I've seen either guy in ROH. Lethal is just like so ridiculously polished now compared to his original run. Uh, So this was definitely the most enjoyable match of the first half for me. Um, If not for a ridiculous uh, two-move sequence, which I know JP agrees with a brutal Bob Sidewalk Slam uh, to Lethal on the apron, followed by a running lariat off the apron to the floor from Bennett, which Lethal sold like a total champ. Uh, and as I said, JP, I know you certainly echo those sentiments.
0: Oh, fully agreed entirely. I mean, obviously it was no secret going into this show that I was not looking forward to this match in the least, and well, not necessarily a great match by any means. It was a much more fun than I anticipated it being with uh just the way that the crowd really took lethal in you know like you know he was at home i mean uh especially with the main highlight highlighted chant being you've still got it for twenty six year old Jay Lethal that just really caught me off guard and had me uh dying of laughter pretty nicely i mean uh I suppose I mean, as I posted on twitter, i mean I suppose that's what five years of being in t n a would do for you but you know, I mean, the match, the match itself, though, it was definitely, uh, like I said, much more fun than I anticipated, and uh, lethal going over, I would say, it was the right move, you know, for his first sure. match back, and uh, this is probably the best I've seen Bennett since uh, he, I mean, since he's come into Ring of Honors. So, I mean, it, it's really a shame with him in the sense that, obviously, I've not been a big supporter of him for a while, but... Like if this was the type of character were in WWE, I mean he would probably be getting quite a bit of praise, but because of the fact that it's Ring of Honor, he's yeah. just not going to get it whatsoever. But I mean, like, he's a rather enjoyable heel. And yeah, I mean I just like I said, I thought this match was pretty fun. Yeah, I I, I really can't expand
2: too much on that, but I, I think the crowd really uh really helped this match, except for the stupid chance that they had, uh, they had a, a fuck Hulk Hogan chance, fuck TNA, then Randy Savage. And uh, it, it was kind of uh, more of a, a getting yourself over early on, and it got kind of uh, annoying towards the end. But the crowd didn't bother me too much because the match was great um, for what it was. It wasn't great by normal standards, but uh, going into it, I thought it was complete wasted. of Jay Lee. So uh, you, this is your guy coming back from TNA. You, you have him in your uh, your New York Post ad. Uh, and you put it against Mike Bennett, but um, I, looking back on it now, I can see that Bennett's going to get food no matter what. And Lethal coming back for his first match—it was that you only get one chance to have that dichotomy. If he book Lethal and Bennett anywhere else, it may not have had that. You know, maybe on in a first time being in a you know in a different market for Jay Lethal, it w- it would have been uh, just as well. But they, they played so uh, off so, excuse me, they played off each other so well. That uh, I I just bought into it, and by the end, uh, I thought it was a really good match.
1: Rhino and Homicide in a no-holds-barred Barrio Street fight. Uh, I thought this was fine. It started off pretty well, and then I just thought it kind of fizzled. The finish saw Rhino go for a gore, I believe, but uh, Homicide uh, rolled him up with a sunset flip, and uh, that was that uh, post-match Rhino with a pretty devastating gore on Homicide through the table, which presumably writes him off for the time being. Mark... You didn't get your apron pile driver through a table, unfortunately, but you did get a gore.
2: Yeah, I saw it coming a mile away that it wasn't going to happen, um, but it was a good way to write him off. Uh, I thought the pile driver would have been great, but he did get to hit the spot in the middle of the ring, so I was fine with that. Uh, great street fight for Rhino's first time back. It was against a guy that New York City will always care about, and uh, all I can say is I hope Rhino's coming back for a few more shows at least, because as a bodyguard for Prince Nana, it works. And, uh, you know, if he just runs the, the markets one time and his last show is in New York city in September, I think that'd be fine for him. Um, maybe you get him in for TV, but, uh, it was good match Two guys that know how to work very well. And, uh, I agree that there were some people missing from ringside that could have added to it, but, uh, good match. And the
0: crowd bought into it. It also has to be noted that, uh, apparently a few minutes into the match homicide cracked his rib. So, I mean, like, I felt like they probably could have done more if not for the fact that this happened. But for what it was, I mean, and what they were able to do, I thought it was certainly, again, uh, an enjoyable match that personally, I mean, surpassed my expectations of it going into it. I mean, I didn't expect a whole ton. I mean, uh, granted, uh, I also wanted a rhino driver off the apron, but uh, alas, we did not get that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly thought it was a fine match, and, you know, homicide being gone from Ring of Honor isn't necessarily a bad thing for now, Mm -hmm. at the very least. Uh, Granted, uh, I'll probably be back soon enough after Urban Wrestling Federation uh, probably doesn't find too much success, so. Did either of (laughs) you have the pleasure of seeing that show last night, or Sunday night, I should say? No. I did not. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you could ask anyone that, probably would have the same response. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Steve Torino, Michael Elgin was next up on the card. Uh, The match itself was really never intended to be much, uh, although Elgin continues to be very impressive. Uh, Mark, I'm going to hand this one over to you. Kind of explain what happened before and after the match and your live impression on the reaction uh, of Kevin Steen.
2: Uh, Okay, when I got to Hempstein Ballroom and I was waiting in line, uh, I I just tried to get a, a gauge for what the crowd was and... All around me, all people were talking about was Kevin Steen. Uh, It was basically implied that when Carino came out, you were going to get Steen. So the crowd was kind of just looking around. They weren't really paying attention to so much what Jacob and uh, Carino were saying. They just kind of were waiting for Steen. So uh, when he went into his intro, everybody just stood up and started looking around, and they had no idea where, and all of a sudden... They, they, you just see him pop up and he rips off his shirt and the place is like un, unbelievably loud. Like I think this is why I, I like Hammerstein so, so much because uh, for a live experience, you really hear the noise and the building shakes. And that was one of those moments that you'll never forget because the crowd just got what they wanted and as much as I thought they could have held off on it, it was perfect. And they had him come out. He he came down, and they stopped him in the corner, trying to get over the barricade. Uh, Many chance of, you know, let him in, and uh, we want Steen. And when he had his handshake with Cornette, everybody thought he was going in the ring, and then he left. And the crowd kind of was just like, great. Well, what are we going to do now? When's he coming back? And I thought that was going to hurt Elgin and Karino, uh, but that match was, you know, it was fun. came off very good, but Uh, after the match was when the crowd really bought into Steen's return because him coming out and saying, my name is Kevin Steen and fuck Ring of Honor and uh, Package Pile Driving Carino and the crowd going nuts. Cornette was looking at the crowd like, what is wrong with you people? Why are you cheering him? And when he just gets carried out, I was staring down on it. And I was like, this is, it was just so perfect. I, I forgot about anything that I had said where he should be held off to, like, final battle or whatever. It, it just was so perfectly executed that I have no gripes about
0: it. Oh, um, also, I mean, like, the thing is, I mean, like, this type of angle on Ring of Honor is just really good because it's not an angle that has ever really... Well, I wouldn't say it's never been done, but it certainly it's not done often enough to the point where it, you know, feels repetitive at all. And, like, this angle just comes off really well because of how low-key, I suppose, it really is. But the match itself, I mean, where Elgin and Carino, I thought was, again, fine. I mean, particularly that that amazing uh, catch by Elgin from Carino's dive and power slam into the guardrail and then the floor, I thought was particularly the highlight of the actual match itself. But the uh, both segments, I mean, involving Stain, were just completely well done. I mean, especially the post-match. I mean, just like the way that they essentially swerved the crowd entirely, you know, who were just thinking, you know, Steen comes out, saves Carino. And I'm very interested in just seeing where this angle goes from here. I mean, like, you know, if we get some uh, eventually down-the-line Steen and Carino matches like I sort of was hoping for, um, I would be quite a happy camper. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited to see where it goes from here.
1: And going forward,
2: where do you see it going, Mark? Yeah,
0: uh, I see it being a
2: uh, you know, Steen and Carino having a few more things. I think that Steen's going to show up uh, at a few more shows. Mostly, it, it's really hard to say if he's going to be on television. But um, I think it would be a big mistake not to have him show up. Uh, I think ultimately for his full reinstatement, since Cornet uh, was screaming that you'll never you know you'll never see Kevin Steen in, in the ring in the ROH ring again. I think the only way that you can do it is you have him you know, come back and somebody has to say that if you win, you get a, an ROH contract because there's no, no way that he'll ever win anybody over or in storyline they could have him come back and say, oh, he's, you know, he'll be fine, he's still crazy, but you know, we'll let him back now. Um, I, I saw people con- comparing it to one Cornet Dan Loki, but this is a, a very different situation because this is obviously an angle. That uh, is building for Steam's full return, but I, you know what? I really couldn't predict it if I if I had to put money on it because I, I did not expect them to go that route at all. So
0: I know a couple uh, in particular people claimed they felt that uh, Cornet may or may not turn heel inside the steam, which just sounds like a terrible idea to me. TNA move, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hashtag TNA move in its entirety. Okay,
1: moving on uh, to uh, that point, we got intermission. Uh, We come out of intermission with Christopher Daniels defending the ROH World Television title against El Generico, who will lead ROH into television with the title. Uh, It always seems to work out when a guy is leaving that he decides to become very fresh after a 10-year dull run, and that's exactly how you could describe Daniels here. Uh, He was very on point. Uh, The character here was just so refreshing. Uh, But match-wise, I thought it was it was really well-worked. It was pretty simple, but it was really, really good. Um, and El Generico, I definitely see as a perfect guy going uh, into TV with uh, this title. So, JP, what do you think? I
0: personally thought the match was really, really fantastic. Like, just, uh, as you said, I mean, uh, Daniel, like, just the way he really, really just, like, totally rejuvenated himself in this match. I mean, just some, There were a ton of little things that he did that I didn't particularly like, uh I mean, the main example being just uh, um, his, uh, you know, uh, I've still got a chance to even just like a little Jeff Jarrett bits. I particularly loved the finishing sequence of this match, you know, which was uh, Daniels putting on the TV title. He goes with the best moonsault ever. He eats a very sick uh, boot to the face, followed by the Yakuza kick and super brain bust uh, from uh, Generico. And then, like, the way that... um, I mean, after the one, two, three, I mean, just the way streamers filled the ring, it actually felt like a, probably like a legitimate special moment, which would even be surpassed later in the show. I mean, like, uh, these two, I mean, they've had good matches before. I mean, they've never really had the opportunity to have that one great match. And they really decided to put on their working boots for this one because I thought that this may have been my personal favorite match of the show. Yeah, this match came off so well with the crowd. It, it was the
2: perfect balance of you have people on the edge of their seat, and you also have them watching when they're doing the little things, and like still being interested. And it, it was like perfect storytelling. It was perfect. It was just basically everything. So um, I, I can't I can't fault them for anything they did. I thought the match was great, and the only thing I can say overall is that I wish that they had put Daniels out of ROH uh, in a better manner than that because, you know, he, he finally rejuvenated itself and you, you, you made a big deal of him going into the House of Truth and now a super brain buster is going to keep him out of action for, you know, however long now. Right. And there, there was a missed opportunity there. I don't know where you could have done it after you ran the scene angle, but um, I still think they missed an opportunity there. I certainly agree. Moving on to the wrestling's
1: greatest tag team of Charlie Haas and Sheldon B- Benjamin defending the ROH World Tag Team titles against the All Night Express of Red Titus and Kenny King, the Briscoe Brothers of Jay and Mark, and the former champions, the Kings of Wrestling, Claudio Castagnoli, and Chris Hero. I think I could preface the discussion of this with it was very good. Uh, it went near 40 minutes, which I'll never argue with based on most elimination matches, Uh you know what they get in terms of time today. Uh, but this was really quite a mess in both structure of the match, I thought, but most definitely in the booking. Uh, they did a big dive sequence, which I believe resulted in JP doing many happy labs around the world. Uh, but the, the dive sequence was uh, at about the halfway point, probably 18 to 20 minutes into the match, and This is where I thought the crowd peaked. uh, And then the match just kind of slowed back down to a normal pace, and they started doing eliminations. Featured one of the best UFOs I've ever seen uh, at one point on Charlie Haas. Uh, The biggest oof in terms of booking uh, was A&X's elimination of the Briscoes. A&X have been, what, like 0-10 lifetime against the Briscoes, 0-4 thus far in this feud since March. And this is your big A&X win. uh, The first fall of a four-way elimination match that will be entirely forgettable. Uh, then you eliminate A&X and have a completely, in my opinion, anticlimactic finale with Kings of Wrestling and World's Greatest Tag Team, although I do agree with it uh, to get your ball off. Uh, I know both of you had some good fantasy ideas that you should probably go over uh, that were definitely ten times better than what we ultimately got. I finish with saying, uh, you know, with A&X and Briscoes, uh, they were probably the most over guys in the match, which I think says a lot. I'm not sure what, um, but... JP, how many Happy Labs exactly were you doing after that uh, Frostberry flop?
0: Oh, uh, well, you see, I managed to uh, <laughs> make my way over the Atlantic Ocean to England and then managed to make my way back to Florida. You made it back in time for the show. To see the rest of the match. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> the, the match as a whole, I thought was uh, rather a good one. Um, like, uh, uh, I thought it was a very good match, although I probably expected a little more Top to bottom. Um, the Briscoes elimination, I know we had talked about, was very, uh, very, very strange. But um, and, and like playing the other side of the coin, uh, that I thought that um, it was a good way to try and get a new finisher over for All Night Express. You know, who really only have the uh, blockbuster, um, blockbuster powerbomb combo. Sure. I and mean, that's you know, certainly a move they've used in the past. They've just never beaten anybody with it, so. Right. I mean, it's, um, that is. I mean, and then uh, it's not like the Briscoes are going to lose any heat from the, taking the fall. No, oh, I mean not. Right. I mean, uh, so really it was just meant to be used like that. Although, personally, like my ideal uh, scenario for the way I would have booked it was I would have had, you know, the Briscoes potentially beat up all Night Express to the point, I mean, like even in, involving weapons or anything of that nature, to the point where they would have had to be DQ'd. And then I had, like, the idea of Rat Titus having to be taken to the back. And then, uh, so it leaves Kenny by himself. Uh, World's Greatest Tag Team have to eliminate Kings of Wrestling. Then Kenny's standing there by himself. And he's having to take on the World's Greatest Tag Team, resulting in, you know, a bit of a cliche. But uh, it would have been probably an awesome route of having Rat Titus come out. And they put up a big uh, fighting against uh, the World's Greatest Tag Team and uh, which probably would have been a really good tease to have for the uh, eventual match that I feel is going to happen between both teams.
1: And Mark, what did you think of uh, the
2: new Briscoes?
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's up for debate. Um, I think
2: it goes perfectly with what they're trying to do for them. Uh, I think the cargo pants can go, but that's just me. I think that, you know, their hoodies are fine. Uh, Everybody, the music was awesome, Uh, completely great. I, I, I marked out for that, and... Uh, I I think that their look is completely based on what Jay's promo was all about and just trying to, you know, establish them as characters for television and I'm fine with that. Um, As far as the match, it definitely went a little long for my liking but for for what it went, it was good. Um, It definitely got awkward at times and I really want to stress this now while I'm on is that there were a lot of dumb chants during this match and I don't know if it came over on the stream or not but, uh, when uh, Kenny King and Shelton Benjamin got into the ring, uh, there were Obama chants, there were black-on-black black chants, there were this-is-racist chants, and it was kind of like a... It kind of took away from the match. I don't remember exactly where it was at what point. But um, the dive sequence, I agree, completely made the match peak and that it just went a little downhill from there. And uh, ultimately, my idea would have been to have, you know the Briscoes get eliminated by maybe the Kings and then ANX get rid of Kings of wrestling. And then you do what JP said, they put up a big fight and you know, you really establish it because you know, ANX has proven that they're ready for the tag team title, but, uh, the and Benjamin signing to ROH, I don't know if that's in their near future. And, uh, JP, uh, Haas and Benjamin are certainly
1: missing TNT.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Um, like, uh, I mean, like, the way that these uh, entrances just came off, I mean, uh, you have uh, the amazing Kings of Wrestling live entrance, you have All Night Express, uh, you know, uh, debuting their new stuff, the Briscoes having an incredible theme, that it just, which I have to say that it's like ever since they have uh, gotten rid of like, Give Me Back My Bullets, I cannot imagine why they did not have this theme sooner than, than last night, but... um and then you just have world's greatest tag team, who just have like essentially a generic uh, Dale Oliver composed song. I mean, I couldn't really make it out, but it just did not seem impressive whatsoever. And it's just like they're the tag team champions, and they came across like most I would say gooberish out of all four of them.
1: And before we move on to the main event, uh, you touched on a mark. Um, As far as A&X getting primed for the tag titles, I think we all feel by at least the end of the year uh, they're ready. I thought on this night they were more than ready. They were next to the Briscoes in terms of being over. Uh, Do you possibly see a switch coming from Haas and Benjamin to the Briscoes first and then possibly you have, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that maybe they wouldn't do something stupid like go to the Ladder War for this June show, Um, but people never really felt uh, that, you know, the A&X and Briscoe's feats particularly was at the level, but maybe now you could do the switch to the Briscoes and then maybe
2: do a Ladder War at Final Battle? Um, You know, I had been one of the people who had uh, been very against the idea of a Ladder War, and I I don't think that it has to end that way, but I think ANX is a team that needs to beat uh, wrestling's greatest tag team because um, they're the established veterans, and I think along the way getting the blow-off win on the Briscoes would do huge things for them and uh, definitely prime them for winning the titles from Hoff and benjamin uh, I don't know if the Briscoes need the belt or if it would mean anything more if a x won. I think it would mean more if... Uh, Brenton's greatest tag team held on for maybe uh, a few more months and then anx finally got that big win over the briscoes and then uh, ultimately maybe final battle maybe even a uh, february show or something uh anx finally gets uh, the the tag team titles. you know i i don't know if the briscoes having them would would hurt uh, would help too much as much as it would like hurt them
0: so i definitely have to agree with mark in the sense that i mean considering world's greatest tag team are supposed to i mean they are this uh huge team that, uh, you know, everyone is able to at least recognize. I mean, uh, having uh, All Night Express, I mean, who are at the very least uh, probably could use the win more than the Briscoes could over them, I would say it would be the much better option. Eddie Edwards defends the ROH World title against
1: Davey Richards in the main event. Uh, Before it even began, we got one of the more memorable streamer sequences for uh, the wrestlers uh, that I can recall in quite a while, probably since Danielson and Nigel from 2009. This match was I lived up to expectation, you know, and to go for 36 minutes and do what these guys did and execute everything so well, it's just so impressive to an extent that can't really be described. I'll let you guys break down the match maybe a little more, but uh, maybe uh, it was due in part to the build or just the crowd. Never really thought it was ending, uh, but I never really got a sense that the match was, was really ending. Um, and say what you were about to finish, I know some people thought that was kind of pushable. I didn't mind it. Uh, but uh, putting that aside, uh, and maybe some selling issues that I don't really want to discuss, I thought the post-match speech took this way over the top. Uh, the emotion here was just unparalleled to anything else in pro wrestling, even even more than a majority of the UFC title changes, and that's as real as it gets Uh You know, uh, the segment in which they, like, kneel down and Davey, you know, says uh, through all the shit at hard times and they were his family, the fans, Eddie and Tony Cazina, Kyle Ryland, one of his training partners sitting right in front of him, were all he had. That really is, like, where I was like, oh, shit, you know, this is a special moment.
0: Um, But uh, how do you guys feel about this? Let me start off by saying that in terms of, I mean, obviously it was no secret that I didn't necessarily want Davey to win here. And I also want to mention that their first match that they had on HDNet a little over a year ago, I know a lot of people were nuts over it. I personally was not at all. I mean, like, I thought it was okay. I mean, I thought it was mostly a little thing that I like to call a music video type match, you know, where there's a lot of really cool stuff that they do that would be great for a video. But in terms of an actual match, I wasn't nuts about it. Sure. But this match, I mean, like, as already mentioned with the streamers, it had a very big feel to it just by the way that uh, the crowd responded to them. And uh, I will say that, I mean, I thought that the crowd was super into the match for the majority of it at the very least. I mean, they were probably about 60% for Davy, 40 for Eddie. Um, I thought that a lot of the work in the match was really awesome, Uh I mean, in particularly uh, the way that Davey was able to get in all these little arm bar sequences. One particular one where I want to say Eddie was going for a kick and then Davey just flew out of the air and managed to get this flying arm bar that just had me, like, scream on my screen just because I totally did not expect it. <laughs> but um, uh, the one thing that I could say about the match that I honestly would say is the negative was just, like, the last few minutes of the match, which were... I thought were really well worked by them in the sense that um, Eddie, I mean, uh, well, Davey you know, throughout his uh, last year or so has had this, uh, you know, never say die type of character throughout his matches in terms of, you know, come on, hit me. And then in a sense, Eddie sort of adapted or took that character for himself, like the, the way that they did the dragon screw spot. I mean, which I thought was like, you know, rather nifty, uh, but like the way that the crowd just sort of died I mean, for that match, was really struck me, uh, really strangely. Like, um, um, I mean, obviously, uh, there were, as you already mentioned, there wasn't really that sense of drama or emotion going throughout the match, which obviously uh, emotion really came out after the bell rang. Yes. But um, the match itself, I would say, is probably a forerunner for um, Ring of Honor Match of the Year. I mean, easily so far. I mean, probably with actually Daniels Generico tailing pretty close with me at least. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a really, really great match that was really pushed over the top by the post-match. And, Mark, did you get a similar feel
1: um, in terms of kind of like the finishing moments of the world title match being there live?
2: Absolutely. Um, I hate to say it because, uh, you know, there were a few fans that really were just going nuts for everything that was happening in the last five minutes. And then there were the, the, the few that were sitting on their hands and kind of just waiting it out. Um, I think that it did hurt uh, maybe a presentation of what ROH is because ROH has always been that the finish can come out of nowhere. Like, there have been times where guys have three or four different, you know, finishing moves and they'll do it. But, like, Davey just kicked them in the face and he won. And I think a lot of it had to do with the newer crowd being there. Um, it wasn't too many, like, uh, repeated ROH fans showing up. I mean, you had a lot of people who are loyal ROH fans, but a lot of new people as well. So I don't think they were ready to see a kick in the face be the finish. And after they've seen, you know, a 2K1 bomb on the apron and, uh, you know, double-foot stomp uh, through table and, you know, all this other stuff, uh, a kick in the face may have come off the wrong way towards them. Sure. But I think for everybody else who you know, really appreciates what ROH is and has been for nine years. Uh, That, you know, the match was nearly perfect. And uh, I can't complain about it at all, except for the fact that I I felt Eddie should have won. But um, Davey's post-match, I I had said to you, Ben, that uh, after, you know, I was upset that Eddie lost, uh, I listened to Davey. It was just like I completely forgot about it. You know, it was just like you were caught in that moment where, you're actually happy that Davey won when you didn't think it helped him and it could have been a stupid move for, the, the you know, the promotion. But, you know, for that moment and that guy and this crowd and, you know, it, it, it was just perfect. Right. And, I mean, putting aside what our feelings were
1: uh, for the outcome of the match, what they were going in, uh, what it might even lead to, it was really worth it probably just for that moment that we got after afterwards,
0: um, you know, with Davey Richards alone.
1: So, Best in the World 2011, uh, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about about the show?
0: Thinking about it, because I know a lot of people have been harking on it, and initially I felt sort of weirdly about it as well, but I um, okay, maybe I'm just looking more into it than uh, Samar, but it's just sort of uh, because he was really laying into uh, Eddie with a lot of those kicks, and it just sort of felt like, you know... Cause considering the way that the promo that confirmed the match back in Chicago was, you know, Davey was sort of an, uh, initially, you know, um, against the possibility of him and Eddie going at it, it just sort of struck me as that way of Davey, you know, letting everything go, and then he just made it all about himself winning the title, as opposed to uh, letting friendship hold him back from uh, uh, from potentially, you know, becoming the best in the world, which I just thought made it like a really I actually rather enjoyable ending. I mean, which again, like I say, I mean, I would, I mean, the match as a whole, I have no real complaints about besides just like the crowd just being sort of dead for the last few minutes of it.
2: And Mark? Yeah, I, I really, uh, can't say too much more about it except that, uh, it really, it, we had said within our preview show that it was hard to really talk about ROH in the future because this is supposed to be a pivotal show. But, uh, now there's a lot more questions almost that than we had before. And I think a lot of the, you know, it's very interesting that they chose Davy as their guy. Um, I don't know where this leaves Eddie, unfortunately. And I think if you look past the moment that Davy had, that's, you know, really critical to see where Eddie goes. And, you know, I hope they don't go the typical route that we have discussed where he just, you know, he gets to be the disgruntled partner and he eventually turns heel and then you never see him again. And, You know, Eddie is so much better than that, and he really evolved into something that, you know, a main event guy in ROH, and uh, uh, I'm really interested to see what they do with him.
1: Now, before we conclude the show today, uh, we have a little bit of breaking news as uh, we're on the heels of the CM Punk uh, work shoot promo, as some would call it, uh, on Raw this past Monday night, uh, just hours uh, actually um, from uh, happening.
2: Uh, Mark, why don't you describe a little bit uh, of what happened? Uh, well, basically, if, uh, people hadn't seen me in the Raw, uh, CM Punk had helped our truth defeat John Cena in a, uh, tables match, and, uh, John Cena just kind of laid in the table, and, uh, CM Punk had a mic, and he went up to the top of the ramp and sat down, and, uh, he said he wanted to get some, you know, a few things off his chest he wanted to speak about it, and, uh, basically, he, he pulled over John Cena at first and said he, he, he didn't dislike John and that there were other people in the back he hated more. Um, he just didn't like that uh, John Cena had the way he kissed this, uh, Vince man's ass, and then he went on to say that uh, Dwayne Johnson kissed ass as well, which is The Rock. Um, he mentioned Paul Heyman and said he was a Heyman guy and then dropped Rock Lesnar. And uh, I remember that the, the biggest difference between him and Brock was that he was going to leave with the WWE title, which I thought was a, a really strong line that he had. Um, and basically, he, he just talked about how they don't appreciate him, uh, how he's not built on the programs and uh, on the, the Cups of 7-Eleven, which is completely true. Uh, he made a, a slight remark at uh, USA Network. I, I don't remember exactly what it was. but um, you know, he, And then ultimately, the, the capper for me was when he said that he was Pissed off that The Rock was in the WrestleMania main event next year, and he wasn't. And I, I thought that was like a very strong point, and he looked very you know stern about that. And I, I believed him 100% that that he was you know you know legit on that. Um, then he, had, he he went on to mention that he was going to win the the WWE title and he would take it with him and go to New Japan, and then uh, he was going to maybe defend it in ROH. And he looked over to the, the camera and made a, you know, a wave and said, hi, Cole Cabana. And uh, I, I thought that that's where it peaked. But right after that, he went into the thought that, if you know, he thought that if Vince McMahon was dead, that uh, WWE would be better. But it wouldn't be because, you know, Stephanie McMahon would be in charge and her doofus husband, which is obviously Triple H, and uh, the, the yes men like John Laurinaitis that would never make, uh, Vince McMahon, a billionaire, even though he's a millionaire, and uh, I, I, my draw was on the floor at this point, and uh, at, then he went on to tell a personal story that Mike cut out, and then Raw ended abruptly, and it was just flawless. Like, I'm sure right. Punk had his hands in it. It was just so, so well done for him, and uh, great way to end the show, honestly, for a yeah, completely live really, up the show.
1: Really just an exhilarating promo that delivered in every aspect. I mean, um, the the mannerisms the delivery the attitude that punk has with every promo is just head and shoulders above everybody else and that's why i think really people are able to attract to him. Uh, but really this resulted in my phone blowing up i know i had over like 20 uh you know like 20 texts about this and uh, then i proceeded to come home and twitter was absolutely blown up you know with everybody pretty much marking out for lack of a better word but uh, jp I guess at this point, uh, I guess we can make a few predictions as to maybe where this would lead, or what you would like to see.
0: Um, well, uh, at the very least, uh, we already uh, mentioned it a bit off air, but perhaps it will result in Punk winning the title and taking it to Ring of Honor, defending it, and then returning to WWE with the Kings of Wrestling at his side, as well as Colt Cabana. That would be something else. now realistically talking i feel that you know uh spoiler warning for anyone who's uh, uh gonna watch raw next week spoiler free but um it was uh made clear that alberto del rio won the number one contendership uh for on next week's raw and uh then they ended up having a segment with vince and cena basically uh confirming that if uh, Punk ends up uh, beating Cena at Money in the Bank for the title, that Cena will be fired, and that just isn't going to happen. That's what they uh, said? Wow, this is news to me. Oh, well, that's what uh, Jacob, uh, actually, who was live at the show, uh, called and told me. Um before that, I most
1: definitely would have said he wins the title and actually does go on a hiatus like one or two months and maybe actually even does go to New Japan for wrestling or Ring of Honor or, you know, random places and, and actually defends the title and maybe they come up with an interim title. And then, uh, you know, something happens later in the fall. But now that you said that, it kind of changes everything. And I feel like he's just going to lose and maybe he'll actually leave or maybe he's going to lose and, you know, just be a goober again.
0: Mark, what right. do you think?
2: Yeah, that's what I would – I think he's going to lose, probably tap out to the FTF, But, uh, you know, JP had mentioned that we were talking about, you know, him coming back with the Kings of Wrestling. And if we really want to do dream booking, I can't think of a perfect – like a more perfect time for Cena to go heel and for them to do another uh, Montreal school job finish where Vince has to keep the WWE title – and, you know, Cena can't get fired, because God knows he won't be on Raw next week if he gets fired, but, like, I I, I would love to see something like that and completely switch it up, and, you know, CM Punk can come back whenever he does, as, you know, this hot baby face and uh, eventually turn heel, but, you know, that's a dream booking, but it, it it's, it's going to turn out with Cena, you know, beating Punk, and, you know, that's the end of, uh, uh, end of him in WWE, but... Uh, the one shining thing, I think, is uh, I think Punk made his allegiance known. If he ever ends up going back on the Indies, where his, uh, you know, where he's going to show up first.
0: And this segment, I mean, with Vince and Cena, actually sounds really interesting. Looking at it, I mean, we're like, uh, Cena apparently had told Vince that uh, he was possibly uh, Vince was afraid to let Punk wrestle, and then Vince had apparently told him. Told Cena that it's to not piss him off and to not be like Hogan. I mean, you know, LOL TNA shot right there. <laughs> but um, I like. I really feel like. I mean, at the very least, you know, Punk will end up losing still. Um, and then perhaps. I mean, my prediction still of Alberto Del Rio. Uh, since he won the number one contendership, technically, he probably will get put in to have his match at SummerSlam. And then that's where Del Rio will win the belt from Cena, and I'll be dancing to Mexico. (laughs) And then Cena will win
2: it back in a month, and we'll be right back at square one for The Rock and John Cena at WrestleMania.
0: Unfortunately, for better or worse. But, um, yeah. At the very least, you know, this particular promo, though, top to bottom, I have to say it's probably the most thoroughly enjoyable promo that I've seen from... uh, wwe and probably a few years i mean i said like the immediate one that came to mind after it happened what after i fully watched it was uh joey styles uh promo that he cut on raw about five years ago which obviously was you know same type of promo in terms of a work shoot i suppose but i mean this was just a really awesome promo just like a bunch of really awesome little things i mean just from everything from the uh, New Japan and Ring of Honor name drops to him just simply going, hi, Hokobana It's <laughs> I thought it was incredible.
1: I want to thank you guys so much as always. Thanks, everyone, for listening. FreeAdmissionFR.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes at FreeAdmissionFR.com for JP, for Mark. I'm Dan, and we'll talk to you again very soon.
0: we okay. okay.